Hey there, guys and gals. Before we get things started, just thought I'd let you know that the initial recording for this episode was about two and a half hours long, and it was actually Paul's idea to have me cut it down into two parts. So just letting you know, right after we finish up talking about makeup and hairstyling is right when the episode will end, and then, boom, the next part will be out for you guys to go listen to the conversation about the biggest nominees. Um... So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It was a crazy long recording. It went a lot longer than I expected, but I wouldn't um, have wanted better people to talk about the Oscars with. Uh, Tristan and Paul have a lot of great things to say, and it was just a really fun episode all around. So I hope you guys enjoy. Here's the episode in all of its two hours of glory. Enjoy. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Showtime with Roman podcast, the not-so-feature-length podcast, where I, your host, Roman RBC, and today, well, Roman RBC talks about movies, sorry I botched that, but today, uh, Oscar nominations are officially out for the 91st Academy Awards, and I am joined by two incredible movie fans, Paul Oyama and Tristan Mayer. Uh, Tristan, how's it going? It's going really good. It's been a long few days. I'm planning a big move across the country, so I've been packing up everything, planning everything out. Uh, highly stressful, but it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you messaged me, it kind of just came up out of nowhere, and I was like, wow, that's an awesome opportunity. I'm sure you'll dive more into that later on when you, we wrap things up, but it's pretty incredible stuff what you're doing, so that's cool. That's good. Paul, how about you? Let's say I was I was doing a lot better before the, some of these nominations came out, um, but I'm excited to be back on the podcast, uh, talk about a lot of this stuff. I definitely have uh, some some opinions about certain things uh, that were and weren't nominated. Uh, so yeah, this is this would be a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, see what see what happens. Let's just get into it, guys. Um, so Oscars, lots of controversy this year around certain films, which we'll get to later when it comes up. Um, but we're just going to start from the bottom up. Um, luckily uh, for all of our listeners, most of us or all three of us have seen mostly everything. Paul has seen a little bit more from the more uh, from the smaller categories, which is great. Um, and then Tristan and I uh, have seen a little bit more of the Best Picture nominees. So we're just going to get a nice balance of everything, uh, nice fruitful discussion, and hopefully nothing in relation to Armin White will come up <laughs> after this point. So uh, starting... Um, you never know. He finds a way in everything. <laughs> it seems to be the case. So Best Documentary Short um, is the first one here, and the nominees are Black Sheep, Endgame, Lifeboat, A Night at the Garden, period, end of sentence. And Paul, you said you've seen one or two of these, I believe? I've seen Black Sheep. Black yeah. Sheep. Okay, so how's Black Sheep, or if you have any other opinions on what you've heard about the other films? I I thought Black Sheep was was really incredible. Um, so basically, it's it's um, this his family is killed, um, and then he they move out of London. Uh, well, no, the kid is killed, and the family moves out of London, and then they sort of get into this town where they meet some sort of unruly people. Um, yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's it's really sad, but I thought it was really captivating and um, uh, was really impressed by the doc. Hopefully, I get to see uh, the rest of the nominees. I haven't heard a ton about all the other ones specifically. Um, I've I've heard that a lifeboat is pretty good, but again, a lot of this stuff is um, yet to come out. They'll they'll be showing in these little you know the, the packages where they show along with the other shorts uh, briefly. But um, I really like the black sheet. All right. Tristan, you heard anything about any of these? I have not. I usually wait for those packages to come out and watch everything like a week before the Oscars and see there's documentary shorts, live action shorts, so I haven't seen most of these yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing them. I mean, I think the shorts are always interesting to get 
movies that you would not otherwise see if they weren't nominated for Oscars. So it's a good sort of different uh, category than we're usually used to talking about. Yeah. Um, hopefully one day I'll see a documentary short. I haven't seen one to this date. Um, still working on some of that, but um, seems like a decent little outing. And I always list—I always look forward to the speeches, though, uh, from a lot of the smaller categories. So whoever wins here usually should bring a pretty good speech to the table or the stage in this case. So, all right. Um, moving on, best live action short. Uh, once again, I haven't seen anything from this category. Um, Tristan, you haven't either, correct? No, I have not. Uh, so, Paul, you said you've seen a couple of these ones. So, what are your thoughts on the ones that you've seen? Yeah, so actually, I was I was pretty impressed by the three that I've seen. So, I've seen Detainment, um, Marguerite, um, and Skin. Um, I think that uh, Marguerite is sort of the one that I would be pulling for. Um, but really, like, uh, I mean, I'd be fine with any of them winning, to be honest. Um, I'm really excited to see the other two as well, because um, live-action shorts tend to be some of my, my favorites um, of these categories, just because I think they can pack a lot of punch in a small runtime but i would be pretty okay with anything that i've seen so far at least uh, being winning at this category at the oscar okay sweet and similar to documentary short they usually bring some good speeches so can't wait for that um moving on to best animated short um there's a two in here that i've seen so i'm just going to start things off with bow i think that's the one we've all seen correct yeah yep okay so that plays in front of incredibles 2 um Love that short film. I thought it was really effective in the theater. Uh, I'll still never forget sitting in the theater and people laughing when she eats the dumpling and we're kind of confused by it. But um, it's just fantastic. Um, And then the other one I saw was One Small Step, which is just a really good companion piece to First Man. Uh, Kind of like a similar story in weird ways. Um, But the animation's beautiful and it's just really well told and just a really solid seven minutes uh, that I enjoyed watching. It's usually the easiest to find the animated shorts online, so I'll definitely be checking out the rest um, unless they release them in theaters and I can sneak into a theater or buy a ticket and go see them. So, Tristan, what are your thoughts on Bao or if you've seen any of the other ones? I liked Bao. I thought it set a really good tone for the Pixar movies. Uh, I think Pixar Torch especially are good at sort of pre establishing the audience's mood before the movies come out and stuff like that i thought bow was cute and uh the audience is very reactive and people laughed when they ate the dumpling too so i guess there's a funny scene of <laughs> everyone like that i guess i mean i'm definitely looking forward to seeing the other shorts because i think bow is sort of just like a consumable like audience friendly short and i'd like to see maybe these other ones are a little more experimental or a little more sort of off the beaten path yeah, I agree. That's a good point about the off-the-beaten-path because a lot of people, you know, say that the animated category for short or for a feature is Pixar's award. Um, but, I thought, yeah, I'd like to see another one of these win. Uh, Paul, you've seen, I think, a couple different ones than I have. So what are your thoughts on animal behavior? And I think you said late afternoon is the other one you saw? Yeah, yeah. So animal behavior, it's this. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's about a bunch of animals that are sort of in a therapy session. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think it could have used a little more punch, I guess, to it. Um, but it's solid. Bow is something that I, I enjoyed, generally speaking. Um, and I like how kind of weird it is, but I don't think it, it totally works with its its core theme. Uh, but Late Afternoon is sort of the, the big one that I really am pulling for. Um, I just love the, the way that it's designed is really cool. And I think the it packs a, like a, a lot of ideas um, into like the 10, 9 or 10 minute runtime. Um so that's that's the one that I'm personally pulling for. But again, I've yet to see the other two. So um, 
those are things I have to check out for sure. One small step in weekends. Yeah, late afternoon seems like uh, one that is just going to hit really hard because it's about dementia, yeah. which is a really you know tough thing you know to watch, and uh, it always seems to get me emotionally in movies. Um, does anyone know anything about what weekends is about? Because I don't. No idea. <laughs> uh, okay then. All right. So uh, personally, <laughs> I hope. One small step wins out of the two that I've seen so far, um, because I just really appreciate some moon stuff, some science fiction in there. Um, so moving on to more of the categories where we're all just going to be able to contribute to a ton of stuff now that the uh, smaller nominations and smaller categories are out of the way. Um, so best film editing, I actually have a pretty strong opinion about uh, these because editing has been something that uh, I've gotten more accustomed to over the last year and, you know, putting together video essays and podcasts, of, of course, and stuff like that and learning how to be a storyteller because uh, editing is more than just simple cuts. It's about putting your film together in a concise and coherent manner. Um, so best film editing, we've got the nominees of Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, and Vice. Uh, Tristan, out of these films, which ones are you most surprised to see? What are your thoughts on uh, this category? I'm very surprised to see Green Book in this, just because I didn't think it was badly edited or anything, but there was no like remarkable use of editing in the movie or anything like that. There was no like stylish editing choices or anything that really made it stand out in my head when I watched it. So I think it's a little bit of a surprise to see that nominated. Uh, I'm excited to see Vice because... I mean, the editing is really divisive, but it's very, like, deliberate, so I guess it fits getting some attention for its editing versus Green Book that was just kind of like a by-the-numbers editing movie, and I'm not sure why that got nominated for this. Sweet. Paul, what about you? Yeah, I'm actually sort of feel the way he feels about Green Book, about um, Bohemian Rhapsody. In fact, I actually think the editing is kind of bad. It's really jarring and out of place, and it's just it's really bizarre to me that it's nominated in this category um for me this is something that i black linesman all the way i think that that's easily the best edited film of these five and one of the best edited edited films of the year for sure it's got the sort of that distinctly spikely style and i think barry brown really understands the way that spikely films are paced and structured and um, the way the editing sort of ties together not just the themes of the movie but the individual scenes i think make that like pretty far and away the best edited film i think the favorite is also rather good but i just think black linesman is kind of a cut above and um, just to sort of preface as well, I haven't seen Vice, so I won't be uh, addressing that in any categories that it's been nominated for. Yeah, I think uh, the one here that just really kind of threw me off was Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, just because that movie is just kind of a mess. It's just kind of edited poorly, the yep. way that it strings together, it, its arc and everything. Obviously, you know, Dexter Fletcher comes in after Brian Singer gets booted off, and who knows really how much he dominated post-production but you know it's just like when i see think about bohemian rhapsody i mean yeah the finale i think is quite good at the live aid concert like really exceptional stuff but just the entire film in just terms of editing is just to me is so frustrating and especially with you know green book in there as well uh again like what tristan said it's just very just kind of boring and just the way that it's kind of edited there's nothing remarkable about it it's just kind of you know very just by the numbers and it's not you know even though i didn't love vice and it's actually my least favorite film like i think out of all the nominated films that i've seen um yeah, at least it's got some style to it at least it's got some uh, personality um and i don't think bohemian rhapsody or green book have any and when you compare it to something like the favorite and black klansman which like paul said are kind of just a cut above you know i think that those two will probably take the prize but my pick would probably be uh black klansman because it's just 
paced well, told well, and just that vision comes to life in just the perfect Spike Lee manner. Um, yeah, I think Bohemian Rhapsody definitely had some strange editing choices. Like it had really traditional normal editing, and then it would just have some really weird style choice in the middle of it, and it almost feels like it was edited by like so many different minds trying to do different things, and it doesn't feel like it blends together very well with the style or the tone, and it kind of adds to just like the off-putting aspects of those of that movie yeah so if we had to um pick one to win and one that you think will win uh what would that be because for me my pick and will win is black Klansman. i agree i think black Klansman's is gonna win and i hope it does <laughs> i think i also hope that black Klansman wins but i think um if something else wins that it could be indicative of that film's performance because editing a lot of times tends to be a bellwether for picture as well so i think that's something to watch out oh, for it's a good pick uh, good point all right so moving on to best visual effects uh we've got avengers infinity war with its lone nomination <laughs> this oscar season christopher robin first man ready player one and solo a star wars story paul out of all the visual effects here which ones had the most movie magic in them uh, um this is another one where there's a candidate here that's sort of bizarre to me um ready player one never felt like i was steeped in that world and i think while some of the shots are technically sort of impressive i guess some of the feats it just feels um doesn't feel grounded in any way and i think that's a huge demerit on the film generally speaking um but i would say for me the most impressive are first man because i think a lot of times we think of visual effects in terms of flash in terms of um, these bombastic visuals but i think what first man does to seamlessly blend um what could what, all these crazy space missions into the narrative, I think, works really well. And I think it makes everything very visceral. And I think it, it's it's the little touches. It's sort of the Fincher-esque um, visual effects where you don't really notice it's there, but it just enhances the look of everything and makes it feel almost naturalistic in a way, which sort of seems counter to the category. But I think that First Man, um, yeah, that's just the really excellent effects. And I hope for sure that that's the one that wins. Okay. Tristan, what about you? Uh, I think Avengers has the good Thanos effects, but I think it also has the usual MCU flaws of, of effects that don't really look real and don't really look kind of human. So I think uh, I agree probably First Man is my favorite for a similar reasons he said. You know, that moon sequence at the end, it feels like you're literally walking on the moon with him. And it doesn't feel like a Hollywoodized version of the moon. It doesn't feel like some like space adventure version of the moon. It feels like, wow, he brought a camera to the moon and filmed on the moon. How did they pull that off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I think the best effects are the ones you don't notice and don't stand out with like Avengers style action scenes or Ready Player One that has just like huge cityscapes and crazy character models or a solo that has like a brown tint over every single <laughs> shot. And Yeah, I definitely think First Man... It has great effects. It also has subtle effects. So I hope it I hope it takes home the one nomination it really has gone for. <laughs> I also want I just want to step in real quick. It's weird no, the way this category has become the blockbuster award in a lot of ways. Um, when yeah. you look at not even these films, but also the shortlist for this award that included stuff like Ant Man and the Wasp and Jurassic World, Fallen Black Kingdom. Panther. Um, yeah, which it's just not great effects. I don't I don't understand what this category really represents because Annihilation I think just has effects that kind of dwarf. Um, all of the ones that are in this category so it's really just puzzling to me the way that the, this award has become oriented as sort of the let's award the mcu star wars harry potter blockbuster franchise x uh film of the year yeah and i just yeah not really it's a fan the most of popular film how award that, how that's kind of yeah 
like transformed. Yeah, it's it's one of those categories, you know. Like you, you, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to mention it with uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Because uh, again, like it is a blockbuster, yes, but in terms of visual effects, like it really just kind of has to do with like just creating like this sort of magic right in front of your eyes. Like you couldn't actually believe they did something. So when you see all of what they did in you know Mission Impossible, like it's just beyond CGI and what they can do on a computer, you know. And so I feel like that should have been nominated over something like Avengers. Like, yes, Thanos to me is one of the greatest CGI effects I've ever seen. But outside of that, there's a lot of issues that I have with the costuming and with how they CGI over costumes and stuff like that. Landscapes, all that stuff. I mean, yeah, it's creative. Um, and so for me personally, I would remove something like Christopher Robin, which solid visual effects, cute visual effects, but I wouldn't put it in there. I wouldn't put Avengers in there just for Thanos. Um, but I think Ready Player One was really creative in its uh, visual effects and how it kind of, I know you're not as not really a fan of the film like I am because I'm probably the biggest fan of that film that anyone might ever meet. Um, but I really felt invested in that world and just even, you know, the racing scene at the beginning was just really creative and how it incorporated just such a unique design with the visual effects and just made it such an interesting kind of world where, yeah, you did get a lot of the nostalgia stuff, but I thought at the same time it was really convincing and really felt like it transported me. But if I had to pick a winner, um, it's going to be first man. I just think that the, for the moon sequence alone and not, not even that, just what they were able to do with uh, building the sets and just really immersing you in this story. Um, it, it has it all of it. So uh, my, pick for will win and uh should win is first man um solo is solo it's a star wars it's it, 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 star wars always gets a nomination automatically so um and, and the effects are good in that too so nothing against them i think first man did a really good job like the technical look of everything it almost had a sense of like 2001 or dr strange love with like these very like technologically focused effects that felt like you were in the cabin with them that felt like you were you know clicking the controls and feeling the what they were feeling the confinement and the tightness and i think a lot of that comes to the effects and making it feel very confined and real and sort of dark and grounded so i think it has a lot going for it and that's my pick for will win and should win and paul you had will win and should win for first man as well correct uh, I actually think that um, Avengers will win this category. I hope that First Man does. Um, but I think that Avengers is something that people will celebrate in terms of um, just as an achievement, and that's sort of the one category that it has going for it. So I think that that's where it's going to be sort of rewarded on that level. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's a lot of flash. Like that movie, and Thanos, again, is a very like buzzy effects character. All right, moving on to Best Production Design. We've got the nominees of Black Panther, the Favorite, First Man, Mary Poppins Returns, and Roma. I haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns, so I can't really contribute much of a conversation to that. Um, but, you know, as I'm kind of looking at these nominees, there's three that really stand out to me, and that's The Favorite, First Man, and uh, Roma. Because uh, Black Panther production design, it creates some interesting sets. It's got great costuming, which we'll get to later. Um, but there's, in terms of production design, I The Favorite, in First Man and Roma are just so spectacular to me um, in the way that it's conveyed and the way that you kind of just are visiting these worlds um, through the lens of the director. And I just, uh, if First Man doesn't win visual effects, it'll probably win this. And then if it wins production design, it probably won't win visual effects. Uh, so I think they're going to give it to one or the other uh, for First Man in those categories. But if I had to pick one that just really stood out to me when I was in the theater and just kind of blew me away and just felt like I was not on this earth, 
the favorite would be my pick because I just absolutely fell in love with every square inch of that film. Um, and there wasn't a single miss beat. Uh, I think the pro the reason why I wouldn't pick Roma is because I only got to see it on my TV. I didn't get to see it in the theater. Um, so maybe it'd be different if I saw it there, but, um, what are you guys' thoughts on production design? Paul, we'll go to you first. Yeah, so I think actually Black Panther is a little more creative with its design than you sort of give it credit for. I think a lot of the stuff in Wakanda, especially, you know, is pretty creative, and the way they construct the waterfall um, and a couple of the other scenes is pretty impressive. Um, Roma is something where I think it's more about having really cool locations than necessarily the design of the production and specific scenes. Um, so for me, it sort of comes down um, to First Man or The Favorite, and I think The Favorite uh, sort of serves also to thematically further the film as well as sort of transporting you to this um, this British castle. So I think that's sort of the one that I was most taken by. I think Mary Poppins Returns is, is rather unremarkable in terms of production design. The, the houses and the rooms, generally speaking, are kind of basic. There's that one cool scene um, with all the lamp men, but aside from that, I wasn't really um, super impressed. So I think that the favorite is the one that um, I have as far as what I personally would like to win. I do think that this is a case of I think Black Panther is going to take a lot of technical categories just because it's it's got that reputation, I guess, and it's it's the sort of film that people want to reward in that area. So I think there's a pretty good chance that it takes multiple categories in this sort of area, and I think this being one of them. All right, Tristan. For me, it comes down to the favorite also. I think it creates a world of its own, and it blends history with fiction in a very interesting way. It felt like I was teleported back in time. And you never felt like you were watching a movie or like looking at a museum or something. It felt like you were there and all the sets and the the just gorgeous areas they found to shoot. Exteriors and interiors all just felt very authentic and very real to the time. So I think that's probably my pick for my favorite. But I do kind of agree that I think Black Panther is going to try and get some of these like what they would see is like gimme awards where they're like, oh, we'll give Black Panther a couple of these technical awards because we know it's not going to get best picture. So we're going to give it a few of these like low ranking awards so they can go up there and give speeches. And then they can give a headline the next day saying, oh, Black Panther won three Oscars. <laughs> but I definitely think the favorite is my pick for just building a world of its own. And it just felt mesmerizing. Every shot you looked at had something cool going on in the background and every wide shot was just breathtaking. I think Romo is very visually spectacular, but I think the favorite just had the aspect of like design and, and like delicacy and sort of deliberateness to its entire design. So I'd probably go with that. I will say just to step in for a second here, the one thing that I'm really disappointed in is I think Crazy Rich Asians should have been yes. a contender to maybe maybe win and at least be nominated in this category. And I think it's a huge disservice to um, the just this, the the houses and the different locales that they they used to film that movie i think that that's something that should have been recognized at least um over a couple of these films who i think whose production design is rather unremarkable like something like mary poppins returns getting a nomination over um crazy rich asians is kind of preposterous to me yeah i i didn't like completely fall in love with crazy rich asians but i remember uh just sitting in the theater and kind of just being like wow like i really feel like i'm seeing a whole new world that because obviously like hollywoodized asia looks totally different from a filmmaker that's actually Asian you know they're gonna actually put some thought into it and so when I was you know sitting there in the theater I was like wow this is like really impressive and it's just kind of 
brings me back to what I love about the medium in general and how a director in the right hands can take over a project and just make you feel like you're visiting this new place with its production design and just between costuming, between uh, locations and stuff like that. I just thought, you're right, like Crazy Rich Asians, like I didn't even think about it for this category. I'm thinking about it for another one coming up, but um, I agree, totally agree. Yeah, I think Crazy Rich Asians could have so easily been a very lazy movie that just kind of went along the beaten path and didn't really make any impact, but I think... The production design is where it elevates itself, and I think that's what I come out remembering. I don't remember any, like, lines or quotes from the movie. I don't remember any, like, specific character moments, but I remember, like, the wedding scene and how cool that looked, and I remember the houses and the shots of the city and the shots of the beach, and the. it just, I remember looking at the movie, and I remember some of the designs of the of the scenes and just thinking, wow, they really put effort into this when they could have easily phoned it in, but I think... It's a shame it didn't get nominated, especially compared to some of the stuff that did. Yep. Glad we're all on the same page. So moving on to the next two categories that people still can't tell the difference from. Best sound editing. We've got Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, A Quiet Place, and Roma. Uh, Tristan, I'm going to send it to you first. What are your thoughts on this year's sound editing category? I find it weird every time Bohemian Rhapsody gets nominated for any, like, production side of anything because the sound editing in this is like very not very off-putting and like the voice doesn't really sound like it's coming out of Rami Malek's mouth and the performances don't entirely sound like they're really being performed and I think the sound editing and, and mixing of Bohemian Rhapsody is like one of the weaker parts of the movie so it's kind of weird to see it I just think it might have been getting these like sound oh because people are like oh it's a music movie there's music in it so it has to have good sound editing and I don't know it's it's Weird to see that movie get so many technical nominations. I would probably... Hmm. First Man had some in, rare, very strong sound editing. I think the sound in First Man really carries the movie. Uh, in those scenes where they're in space and they're, in, they're in, on the moon, I think the sound really has an impact and it's very deliberately used for impact. So I'd probably go with that. But like you said, people don't know the difference, and I probably don't know the difference as much as I think I do. But <laughs> I'd probably go with First Man. Okay, for my for myself, I think that um, A Quiet Place's nomination is really indicative of kind of just how impressive uh, the sound editing is in that. And just that I didn't fall in love with the movie, and I don't think it's spectacular or anything, but it's so unique in the way that it kind of creates it creates its world and tells its story. And the lack of sound, you would think that it shouldn't be nominated for a category with sound in the title. But at the same time, just the way that they were kind of able to use the crunching of leaves or uh, the sound of the wind, you know, in the background howling and just stuff like that. Yes, it gets loud and it gets bombastic, but I never feel like I, I leave... Um, leave that world at, at, at any big moment um so like with something like bohemian rhapsody or black panther the sound just kind of mixes together to, to me and it just kind of blends in a way that isn't really that impressive and in, in a way that we can jump from one cut of someone fighting this person to another cut of someone fighting something else and there wouldn't be anything distinct about the editing and the way that the sound is put together um i really like roma for both sound categories uh but if i were going to go for anyone in this category it'd probably be a quiet place because it's its lone nomination um and if it's its lone no no nomination then it probably got the most votes to be a part of this five so paul what about you yeah so just 
for people listening, just to clear things up. So editing is, is the creation of sound effects, and then mixing is obviously the integration of those sound effects within the, the general soundscape of the movie. And I think that, you know, I'm impressed for one thing that the Academy didn't do the lazy thing and just nominate every, um, you know, the same five movies for both mixing yeah. and editing. Um, well, you said about A Quiet Place is interesting. I think that that is one of the stronger elements of the film, and I think that there's a good chance that it wins on the back of, of sound being so vital to, to the film as a whole. For me, I think Roma is the most impressive just because it's it's really subtle. You know, it's nailing these really hard-to-nail sounds when you have people talking in the background, when you have people um, sort of shouting in the distance and all these crowd noises and steeping you in this world. The fact that they built a replica of Mexico City on a Hollywood lot and made it feel completely authentic, I think the sound is a huge, huge part of that because you really feel transported to that place. Um, I mean, some of this might be helped by the fact that I... Uh, you know, I saw this in a theater, so that was that sort of enhanced the, the um, audio experience. But I think that's what I would pick to win um, if I had a choice. I think it'll end up probably going um, to a quiet place. But if it does go to Rome or Black Panther, I think that could be a sign that it's those films starting to gain momentum in a lot of the smaller categories and potentially um, ending up in some sort of, you know, best picture win. Yeah, I think Quiet Place has the win uh, just because it's the one nomination and I think... It's the one where anybody watching it can notice the sound. And I think, like we both said, uh, people don't really know the difference and people don't really pay attention to the sound editing or the mixing in the movies. But I think the sound stands out so much in Quiet Place that I think it probably has the win just because everyone will notice the lack of sound. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, year for both of these awards because Roma's nominated for both. So best sound mixing, you've got Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, Roma, and A Star is Born, which is the lone difference uh, from editing compared to A Quiet Place, um, filling in that spot. Uh, Roma, for me, um, I remember I was going on a trip to northern Arizona for my girlfriend's uh, college graduation, and um, Roma had just come out, and uh, so it was obviously available on Netflix, and I have Netflix on my phone. So I turned it on just for a second, just because I really just wanted to at least catch a frame of this thing, because everyone's been talking about it. I've been hyping it up for so long. Um, and so that first shot is just focused on like uh, just water running across the ground and you can hear the sound of an airplane in the background and just the way that kind of mixes with the water. It's such a unique, you know, obviously the sounds are very different, but just the way it's mixed together just makes it feel so authentic and kind of what, you know, Paul was saying about, you know, building Mexico City on a lot in Hollywood, just creating that world and then putting that sound in there and still not being in that actual place you know is just so impressive to me and for mixing i just am kind of blown away at what roma was able to accomplish um a star is born here i mean it, it's got that concert vibe so i see the nomination um but for me roma is probably going to take this award just in the way that it was able to incorporate all these sounds you could still tell what was going on and just the way that it kind of immersed you in that world was one of the most impressive and immaculate things i've seen all year Interesting. So I think I think that for me, this is the award that I think First Man should win uh, most squarely because I think what it does incorporating um, the sounds of the spaceship and um, just giving you the experience, the visceral experience of being an astronaut in these, you know, the test missions and also the real mission itself is like one of the big crowning achievements of what I think is actually like a really, really excellent film. Um, I wouldn't be upset by any means if, if Rumble on this category either. I think A Star is Born actually has some pretty impressive um sound mixing as well especially when you have it during the performances like the levels of the vocals and the way that instruments sort of um, layer on top of each other is pretty excellent 
really just as long as Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't win this award, I'll be I'll be pretty okay because um, I think Black Panther also has some pretty cool sound mixing and, and seamlessly sort of integrates that into the environment. But I think this is I hope that First Man wins this category. I'm thinking um, this is um, this is going to be Roma uh, just because I think people realize that technically it's such um, an impeccable film. So I think that that's that's where it's going. I think it's a three-way battle here, uh, obviously, between First Man, Roma, and Sarah's Born. Uh, I think Roma does a great job of sort of blending all these different sounds, like crowds versus conversations versus world sounds, and it feels very real, like you're just standing there listening to a world moving around you, and you're not hearing, like, the impact of the camera on the world. It just feels very, very realistic and grounded. I think First Man also has, like I talked about earlier, like that technical feel to it that technical you hear the buttons pushing and you hear the wind raging and it all blends together to really put you in the moment of taking off on a spaceship or landing on the moon or stepping out of a capsule into just absolute silence and i think it creates an atmosphere for lack of a better word and i i think star is born might take this win just because i think star is born is going to take a few of these categories and i think the sound mixing is is strong in star is born compared to bohemian rhapsody where it didn't really feel very real i think star is born captures like a real concert feel you know it doesn't feel like you're listening to a song it feels like you're at a concert you're hearing the guitars over the drums and you're hearing the vocals underneath the guitars and depending on where the camera is at in the perspective of the scene you're hearing different vocals different instruments above other ones depending on the point of view of the of the audience at that point and i think it really creates a genuine feel of a concert like you're there and you're not just watching it from the outside you're on the stage with the performers and then you're watching from the crowd and then you're watching from backstage and the sound kind of travels along with you and mixes along with where you're at in the moment so i think the win is probably gonna go to stars born oh that was a really incredible speech for stars born uh, <laughs> I was really vibing with that. That was great. Um, yeah, sound is good year for sound in film, definitely with those, except for Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. Um, so, best foreign language film. Um, I have seen two of these films. Oh wait, hold on, just 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 for a second. Sorry, I I want to say again, um, not to harp on this movie too much, but Annihilation not getting um, recognized yeah. in either of these categories, I think is is rather criminal. I think the soundscape of that film is the most impressive sound that I've heard really in anything all year um, the creation of sound specifically so the sound editing category i think it's it should have been a, a lock to at least be nominated uh, potentially win so the the lack of love for uh, annihilation sort of continues uh, not that i'm terribly surprised but it's just it's really disappointing to see um, something be forgotten just because it's been sort of under um, under pushed and uh, came out early in the year it's just ah, yeah. annoying man. if only it made 700 million dollars <laughs> um <laughs> and it, and that's one of my favorite films of the year i'll never forget the sound in that film for the rest of my life and the emotions and just the way it made me feel is yeah i totally agree on annihilation rest in peace annihilation um <laughs> moving on to best foreign language film uh you've got capernaum cold war never look away roma and shoplifters. I'm gonna send this to Paul first because you've seen most of these, and I've only seen two. Uh, are you sure you read the you read the right list? There's no no. Well, I guess there's no burning. So <laughs> I, I guess the Academy decided to, to totally shaft um, one of one of the best films of the year. Period. I think that's probably the most egregious um, 
quote-unquote snub that we have in the entire list for me. I think Burning is an incredible achievement in film. Um, I think it's the best screenplay of the entire year and works on so many levels that it's, it's so frustrating. Um, South Korean films almost never get appreciation at the Oscars in this category, and I think that this is just another example of, uh, I don't know, a um, big European bias, I think. Uh, I think also think Capernaum is really manipulative, and I don't think it's a very good film. I think it's it just, yeah, again, it manipulates the audience, and I'm not a big fan. I still haven't seen Cold War or Never Look Away. Uh, Never Look Away, surprising with, with another nomination that we'll sort of get to later. But I think the big contenders for this are clearly Cold War and Roma. Uh, the Shoplifters is my favorite film of the year. I don't think it has a shot in hell of winning this category. Uh, I pray, wish with all my heart that it could. Uh, it's a film that moved me the most this year. Um, and it's from a celebrated and incredible director, but I just think that clearly Roma being a best picture favorite, um, it has the best chances, but if people decide to vote for it in picture and strangely not uh, foreign language film, I think Cold War has a chance specifically because of some nominations that we'll get to later. Tristan, what about you? I absolutely love Shoplifters. It was incredible. It was powerful. It was impactful, but it's not going to win. I think Cold War was good, but I don't, I think it has to be the only way Cold War will win is, like you said, if people get kind of somehow split on Roma and they think, oh, I'll give it Best Picture. I don't have to give it Foreign Language Film. But I think I'd be pretty surprised if anything other than Roma wins this because you rarely see Foreign Language Films really impact into the pop culture the way Roma has. You know, I've seen a lot of people talking about Roma, even if it was just, oh, that Netflix movie that got Oscar nominations. You hear about that? And I think the fact that people are talking about it just shows that it's in the consciousness of people and that people have seen it. And I think it's going to be on the minds of the Academy voters when they pick it for this category. I think also the fact that it's from a celebrated director um, is always kind of what puts this over the top. Um, Roma being from Coron, who's celebrated for his work outside of foreign language, I think is huge. Um, obviously, Cold War, um, Pavlikowski has won an Oscar in this category before, so he's definitely not someone to exclude. But I think that oftentimes they tend to lean to the familiar name um, the person they trust and the person they, they like outside of the specific film. And I think that's what gives Cold War and especially Roma the edge in this category. I've only seen um, Cold War and Roma, and you guys have pretty much covered all bases. I have an opportunity to probably see Shoplifters next week if I want to drive like really far away to see it um, to this like really small art house. And if you want to remain you friends with me, you'll, you'll, you'll do that. <laughs> um, well, th- th- it's funny. My sister really wants to see the kid who would be king, and that's the only day we can see that too. So, um, yeah, if I see the kid who would be king over that, uh, you guys can unfriend me for a while. Um, but, um, yeah, this is a really interesting category considering that Roma is nominated for both um, and Cold War is nominated for Best Director and Best Foreign Language Film. Um I think, again, uh, if Roma wins this, um, which is obviously going to come before Best Picture, I'm going to be a little concerned that it's probably not going to win Best Picture because I think it – I don't know if it could win both. I, I don't think I, – I haven't seen anything like that. I mean, the thing is you would think if it's the best film overall, so, then it should also be the best yeah, foreign but I, language film. But I think sometimes voters tend to get fickle with, oh, we don't want to over-reward yeah. this movie anymore because I think that, that was a trend you know, in the 60s and 70s. You know, we're going to give every award to this one movie. Um, and I think they're sort of trying to get away from that, which is why I think they might split the vote there. Uh, but I think Never Look Away is interesting because that being nominated for cinematography, it's uh, sort of anyone's game at this point. Maybe it's not really a film that was totally on my radar very much, but um, it's very interesting. Very interesting, indeed. 
Yeah, I'm really curious to watch Never Look Away, and I'm going to try and fill in my gaps with the movies on here I haven't seen. So it'll be interesting to see what wins. I think it's definitely a two-way battle, unless uh, Never Look Away is way more impactful than we thought it was. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious as to how this one is going to go down, because I think it's going to indicate a lot of what's to come for the rest of the awards show, because usually this one comes right in the middle uh, or early on. Um, I'm going to save more of my thoughts on Cold War for later for Best Director. Um, and it's really fascinating to me that two black and white films are kind of dominating some of the discussion this award season and just shows that black and white films are not dead and are indeed great. Um, so moving on to Best Animated Feature, um, just a really solid uh, uh, list this year. You've got Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, for myself, I think there's only one winner on this list. I have not seen Mirai, so maybe I'll just kind of reserve, you know, kind of suppress that statement. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse to me um, just captures so much of what I love about animation as a medium, um, and especially for basically reinvigorating a subgenre that has grown increasingly stale over the years. Um, between that and Aquaman and a few other films that just really kind of impressed me and how it was able to take a medium or take some stories centered around characters that we've seen done hand over fist 10 times over. I mean, and just doing what they did with the medium itself is just so impressive. Um, Isle of Dogs with stop motion is also very impressive. If Spider-Man didn't win, I would anticipate Isle of Dogs to win. Um, if Isle of Dogs doesn't win, then this would again be Pixar's award. I don't think Ralph Breaks the Internet stands a chance. And the Oscars usually don't really care for uh, foreign animated films in this category outside of nominating them every once in a while. Um, so Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse to me is kind of the lock. It's got all the momentum right now from the rest of the award season. Um, and it is one of the best films of last year. Personally, I kind of wish it got a best screenplay nomination. Uh, cause I think it's that good. Um, I don't think anyone else is really going to agree with me on that, but Paul, what are your thoughts on this category? Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy going into the, the last week of December. I thought this was going to be an easy pick for me because Mariah I'd seen twice. Um, it's from one of my favorite working filmmakers and it's, it's really an amazing movie. It's, it's in my top 20 of the year, but then I saw Spider-Verse and I was sort of captivated in a way that I haven't been, um, like by a superhero movie in, in quite a while. Like it's really instantly become one of my favorite comic movies of all time. And it's, I think it's incredible and I think it should, and I think it will win because of um, the buzz and attention around it. And it's, it's still by a big studio as well. Um, I, God, I hope I have dogs doesn't win. That's gotta be one of my most disappointing um, cinematic experiences of last year. I think that what it does with the culture that it's using is really problematic. And that's, it's from, obviously it's from like a famous auteur, so it's got a, a puncher's chance just being from Wes Anderson, but um, I don't know. And you never know, the P Pixar is always in play. So I think Incredibles 2, despite the fact that it didn't get the biggest reception, I think it still has a, a shot. Um, but I definitely, you know, I would love for Mariah to win. Um, I hope Spider-Verse wins, and I think it probably will win. But um, just keep your eye on that. Pixar is always on the hunt for that Oscar. Uh, this is an absolutely like loaded category. I feel like this is the most competitive the animation feature film has been in a while because it always feels like they're just handing it to Pixar or Disney and everybody else is just there to sit and clap on camera. <laughs> but it, it, it definitely, I mean, I loved Mirai. I think it's probably my favorite on the list here, but I don't think it has a shot to win. I think if you asked me a month ago, I would have said Incredibles 2 wins just off of the name of Pixar alone. But I think Spider-Man has made such an impact, and it came out of the perfect time. I think with when you uh, 
along with Stanley's passing, I think it had an emotional overtone to it the whole time. And I think we're in an era now where the Academy is trying to sort of throw a bone to these more crowd-pleasing uh, popular movies because they have nominated a lot of them this year. And on top of that, it's a great movie. I think it's visually creative. It does so much with the medium that isn't being done normally. I think it's super stylish. I think it has a great heart. I think it uses the characters that we've seen, like you said, a hundred times over. It uses them all in unique ways and sort of plays within the genre in a great way. So I think I think that's going to have the win, and I'll be kind of surprised if anything else wins that award. Yeah, I would love to uh, sit down and watch the Academy Awards and just have them do the four uh, or the uh, in memoriam section and then Stanley be, be one of the last people they show and then Spider-Man win right after that. I think that would be a really awesome moment. Um, and a really tear-jerking moment. So, yeah, Spider-Man. I will say it's 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 cool that you know more people will probably see Mariah because of this nomination. I think it's a film that deserves to be seen. You don't really see a lot of films about toddlers and about little kids and their emotional um, development and how, how difficult sometimes it can be um, to be a kid and not understand what you're going through emotionally. And I think that Mariah is one of the best explorations of that I've seen. Yeah, I, would, I just would encourage people to see Mariah if you can. Yeah, I hope this brings a lot of eyes to Mariah just like you said, it's a very unique movie. It's not a movie people normally watch, and I hope a lot of people watch it. It does some creative stuff with the like sci-fi-ish premise and yeah. the weirdness of the the movies over from that culture that aren't really in the same vein as this. I don't want to say too many details because most people haven't seen it, but I think it has a little bit of weirdness to it that's fun. It has some really great visuals. It has complex characters, so I think it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to be able to see it. I really want to. Anime is kind of one of my big focal points this year and trying to get accustomed to that. Um, usually they're a little too plot heavy for my taste, but um, I'm definitely looking forward to Mirai. Um, so moving on to best documentary feature, um, we've got Free Solo, Hale County This Morning, This Evening, Minding the Gap, represent, of Fathers and Sons, and RBG. Tristan, I'm going to send it to you first. I'm going to be the first one to talk about the the big snub here because Won't You Be My Neighbor didn't even get nominated for this. Like a week ago, I would have told you that was like a lock to win. It had the it had such an impact on people. I mean, my mom, she sees one movie a year, maybe probably less than that. I don't think she's seen a movie since like Harry Potter came out and she saw Won't You Be My Neighbor and she thought it was great and she talked about it afterwards and it captured such a lock. It captured the conversation. And it was very, like, wholesome and heartfelt. And I thought for sure it was going to get a nomination. But it didn't, which is surprising. Uh, it's not my favorite. If I was, if it was on the list added underneath it, I wouldn't pick it as my personal top. I mean, I thought Mining the Gap was great. It has some hometown advantage for me and Roman, I think. But I, I, I appreciated the experience of watching it. I drove all the way down to the city it takes place in. It was shot in. And watched it there with the director. Did you hit a and pothole it... on your way there? Probably <laughs> a couple. Oh, several. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, I mean, it, it captures sort of like a culture and a characters in a specific way. I think it has more of a sort of resounding uniqueness compared to Won't You Be My Neighbor that just sort of showed us what we've seen with Mr. Rogers before. I think Minding the Gap is a good spotlight on a culture of people that we don't usually take very seriously especially since skating is kind of like a dead culture at this point 
I think it was fascinating and I really enjoyed it. Paul, what about you? I know you got a lot of opinions. Yeah, here. well, so start off with sort of the, the snubs. I think it's it bums me out that Won't You Be My Neighbor didn't get nominated. At least I don't. It's not my favorite, but I think that it represents really um, something that's the antithesis of kind of the social climate of today. And I think that would have been nice to um, for us to all be reminded that you know uh, it's it's good to be nice sometimes. Um, I think formally it's a little uninteresting, but I think generally the, the story that Morgan Neville tells is uh, is one worth telling and. Uh, it's very emotional. As far as other sort of snubs, Shirkers, I really thought should have gotten nominated. I think that's that's an incredible documentary, um, which is about this young filmmaker who who has this lost film that she made in the 90s and it's sort of her journey to try and find it. Um, it's got one of my favorite scores of the year and it's super creative and um, made by a f- female filmmaker, which is something that would have been really cool to celebrate in this category. Um, and then one other that didn't really get a lot of attention in this category, it's called Dead Souls, which is a Chinese documentary um, that's about sort of hard labor camps um, in the Gobi Desert. And I think that's a subject matter that people in the U.S. don't really think about very much. And I think it would have been good to shed some light on that incredibly sad topic. I know it's a super long, it's like an eight-hour documentary, but um, I really wish that would have got some sort of attention because I think some of the other these other nominees are just, I don't know, RBG, RBG is formulaic as formulaic can get. I think it's super formally uninteresting. It's about an important and, and great figure in American history, but just, I don't know, the, the execution I thought left a lot to be desired. Um, I haven't seen Hell County this morning, this evening. I've heard generally good things about it, but Mind the Gap is uh, incredible. It's uh, not to engage in too much hyperbole, but it's probably my favorite documentary of the 21st century. Uh, I was more moved by that than I've been moved by movies in a long time. It's, it's my number two favorite film of the year overall period, and I think... Bing Lu's achievement in, in empathy and in understanding these sort of forgotten people um, in these Rust Belt towns in the United States. You know, Rockford is Rockford, but it's also a stand-in for other towns across the country. And um, the way it tells these young men's stories, it's it's captivating and heartbreaking. And uh, if it's the thing I'll be rooting for uh, above all else, I just, yeah, really hope that wins. Unfortunately, I think Free Solo just has, um, I don't know, it's got that momentum. A lot of people saw it. Uh, it's pretty popular. It's it's entertaining. It's, it's sort of an easier watch than a lot of these films. So we'll see sort of how that turns out. But I think that'll be interesting. It's also interesting to me that Three Identical Strangers didn't get nominated because that was huge at the box office. It made like $11 million and it was re- really popular, which, which is for a documentary. It's like a lot of money. Uh, so it's, it's strange that it didn't get um, nominated. I haven't seen it, but I've heard sort of mixed things. But it's just weird because it seems like such a crowd pleaser, easy nomination for them to be like, oh, yeah, this is something that I've seen. But. I don't know. Yeah, the nominees are really bizarre. Yeah, I thought Three Identical Strangers. I thought Three Identical Strangers was good. It wasn't like a groundbreakingly great documentary or anything, but it was an enjoyable experience to watch. And I couldn't believe how much impact it made, like box office wise. But I feel like as soon as it came out, it just kind of vanished, and no one talks about it anymore. Like by the time we got to the nominations, I'd like forgotten that I'd even seen it until you said it right now. Yeah, it, uh, it was solo was definitely so beautiful. It, it was at least on their on their radar. Um, but yeah, it's just it's weird. I don't, know, I don't know what happened with that, really. Yeah, um, once you be my neighbor, uh, I saw that with another one of the uh, one of my one of the friends we have, Ryan McKenna, uh, which was a great experience. It just really spoke to me. Um, it was one of my favorite movies of the year for a really long time, um, and it, I'm not usually a big documentary person, um, so I was kind of surprised not to see it at least nominated. Um, but the big thing is for me is although you know. This award season has been dominated by Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, ever since I saw Minding the Gap, um, I've just been rooting for it to at least get a nomination uh, above all else. Like, if it doesn't win, I'm going to be a little bummed out. Um, but 
I've been putting together my top 15 movies of 2018 and I put together um, the money in the gap, you know, ranking or the placement. And I just was like, I really need to rewatch it. Um, I have a friend at work um, who's a really, he's a screenwriter actually. He's working on, you know, getting into that field. And um, he has seen Minding the Gap four times within the span of a week and a half. And he said that it is one of the most incredible films he'll probably ever see. Um, and just for me personally, like growing up and living in that town for 13 years and understanding uh, how bad it gets, I can't really relate personally to the, like the abuse or anything or the lack of a father figure. Cause my dad has been very prominent in my life, all my life. Um, but just I always go back to that Roger Ebert quote when thinking about this movie when he talks about how movies are a machine for empathy. And what Bing Liu does as a kid that's our age, a young adult, um, is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Just um, how the skating sequences are kind of Terrence malick right, it It's so and gorgeous, I, like the way it's shot and just everything. I could rave about this movie for hours. Uh, I've watched so <laughs> yeah, many he interviews just has... with Bing Liu talking about how this actually started off as like a, a world, like a countrywide thing about masculinity and skating and it developed in something totally different and he didn't decide to put himself in the film until a year and a half into into filming and just how it all came together is, is crazy like if if you're interested at all like this movie's on hulu watch it immediately um and yeah bing is something i'm so excited to see what he does next love that he's being tutored by um uh, by stephen james one of my favorite documentarians of all time um who directed 1994's hoop dreams but um love to see what he does going forward yeah, that's the one thing I've been thinking about, too, is just wanting to see what else he can bring, because he just has such a great knack for just visual storytelling and just kind of building these houses as these, like, cramped, uh, broken-down environments and just re- going back and seeing shots of the city, you know, places I drove past on the way to church or the way to my grandma's house or wherever. I just... I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of a bias there, of course, but at the same time, just trying to remove that as much as I can, it just really blew me away um, and just how it was able to tell that story and just create this machine to get us to connect with a bunch of people like one of the characters um he leaves and moves out west because that's where opportunity is and i really connected with that and i get emotional every time uh, when i had my brother watch it who had moved out you know when it had come out and you know we don't talk as much except through like text or over the phone or wherever he visits but he texted me i was like dude minding the gap is one of the best films i've ever seen and he's not a big documentary person i have a bunch of friends who live in rockford that don't watch movies can't stand them but they caught minding the gap just because it took place in rockford and for one of the most crime-ridden cities in the united states one of the most miserable state or cities to live in in the united states for it to get this type of attention from a director that's our age is just incredible i actually have a friend nick talon uh, shout out to him and the Talon Brothers podcast, but he actually got to photograph Bing Lu and some of the cast doing like interviews and he's gotten to meet him and talk to him and stuff like that. So just to see someone that's about my age from the place I grew up in, uh, being able to do something like this on this level is really inspiring and hopefully it comes away with the trophy because I would honestly probably cry because I love that <laughs> film so much. I think it so. comes out at an interesting time too when like those sort of uh rust belt sort of flyover sections of the country feel sort of disenfranchised with the rest of the country and it really paints a portrait of that of that lifestyle in that area and i think also politically and socially we focus a lot on masculinity especially in the last like year and toxic masculinity versus like a positive masculinity and i think this portrays masculinity in a very interesting way and i think it portrays it in a very real way and I think it has so much to say about culture and so much to say about the people in it. I I can't talk good about this movie enough because I just want to go watch it again oh, now. So, good. so <laughs> I mean, the, the, if the, you the crushing weight of it, capitalism, it, it explores so many themes like so yeah. effectively. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it's literally the city is right outside Chicago, so all of the people that get extracted out of Chicago are going to Rockford and just making that life is tough there. So when I go back and visit in April for Star Wars Celebration, hopefully I come out alive. <laughs> Moving on to best original score, um, we've got Black Panther from Ludwig Granson, Black Klansman, Terrence Blanchard, If Beale Street Could Talk, Nicholas Bertel, Isle of Dogs by Alexander... Alexander <laughs> Yeah, thank you. And Mary Poppins returns from Mark Shaman. Um, I'm going to start off here and just kind of say that uh, justice for Justin Hurwitz because, <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns. Obviously, it's more musical, music-oriented, so I can understand that. But Black Klansman... That's the last thing I think about when I think about that movie. Um, and it just kind of bums me out because the score in First Man is one of the first things I think about when I think about that movie. Um, and it just kind of bums me out that it's not a part of this. But, what the? I mean, honestly, I still think it would lose anyways to what Nicholas Patel did in If Bill Street Could Talk. Um, I was just listening to the score before we actually started recording. And um, the score in that film, I, no words. I literally can't explain it. It's like when I think about Roma, uh, I can't put words to just how beautiful it is. You just have to listen to it. You feel it. And it just evokes so much emotion. Um, I'm really happy to see Black Panther on here, actually. I think that score for the film is uh, incredible. Um, what Ludwig did with that and just combining sort of the culture um, with the music. Uh, best original score is one of my favorite categories and one of my favorite aspects of filmmaking. Um, it's something I put on the background when I write, um, when I drive, um, and when I read, and I think that it's an awesome category with a lot of great nominees, although Justin Hurwitz is not a part of that uh, listing. Um, if I had to pick, I think Nicholas Bertel is going to walk away with the trophy for If Beale Street Could Talk. Tristan, what about you? I actually, I honestly like the Black Klansman score a lot. I think it created a really interesting like core like motif, and it reused it in a lot of different ways and changed it to fit the tone of the moment and sort of built up, and then by the sort of climax of the movie you have this really like glaring uh loud interpretation of that motif that repeats throughout the whole movie i think it uses that motif well but i think beale street probably has the win here i think it adds to the dreamy atmosphere that barry jenkins creates and sort of just the tone that the music sets is is beautiful and i it carries the movie so much and adds so much to the this the look and the feel of the movie all comes together with that score. So I think Beale Street has the win on this on this category. Paul, what about you? Yeah, so about the, the Black Klansman thing, it's interesting because part of that score, the um, the track Photo Ops, has been used by Blanchard and Spike Lee in three other films prior to this. So I think its inclusion in Best Original Score is a little puzzling. I don't know how quite that factors in. Um He's used it in Inside Man, um, in his documentaries, uh, When the Levees Break and If God is Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. So, I mean, it's a great piece of music and it's super, um, I think it's very important in terms of Spike Lee film, like, canon. But yeah, it's inclusion here, a little bizarre. Um, I'm excited for Ludwig to finally get his first uh, nomination. You know, I've been a fan of his since his collaborations with Childish Campino back in the, back in the day. Um, yeah, the Isle of Dogs and Mary Poppins, I think, are pretty unremarkable. I think this is sort of a Bill Street um, win in a walk. Um, and not to be that guy again, but Annihilation score is, is incredible. And again, this is it's ridiculous that it, it didn't get nominated when you consider these other nominations, which I think are, are pretty forgettable for the most part. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think Annihilation score is great in terms of like using a motif, like an already established song, but manip- manipulating it to fit the moment. I think it's 
strangely similar to how, how Black Klansman does the same thing, and I think Annihilation score is great. I'm sad that it's not on here. Um, I know that Mandy was unable to uh, be nominated for anything because uh, it didn't meet the requirements, but rest in peace, Johan Johansson, that score also one of the best of the year. Um, and I, it's really unfortunate it couldn't be a part of this listing. I hope that uh, he gets a nice little tribute during the In Memoriam section. Uh, May Cry, because honestly, some of his music um, brought little tears to my eyes in a theater multiple times. So um, great category, great listing, um, but man. Beale Street, holy cow, snub in many other categories, which we'll get to later. Moving on to best original song, um, there's, I think there's a clear cut winner here, but uh, some people may think otherwise. So, all the stars from Black Panther, I'll Fight, RBG, The Place Where Lost Things Go, Mary Poppins Returns, Shallow from A Star Is Born, and When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings, the only good part of that movie Ooh. from the Ballad Ooh, of Buster no, Scruggs. No, uh, so moving, so Paul, go ahead and take things away. Um, I think first off, it's it's interesting that um, that A Star Is Born did the thing where they only submitted Shallow. I think it's, it's a pretty smart play just because they wanted to avoid vote splitting. There are other great songs in the movie. It's my personal favorite, but I think that um, could have been a dangerous proposition for them. They might have gotten more nominations, but maybe not worth it in the long run for them. Um, man, I just feel like All Fight is the most generic, um, typical Oscar-nominated original song. It's, it's sort of inspirational. I just uh, That's such a forgettable song for me, and I think the Mary Poppins um, song is it's somewhat, somewhat similar in that regard. Um, I think that All the Stars has more of a shot than we're giving it credit for. Um, that movie is a sensation, and I think that um, you know it being from sort of this transgressive genre that doesn't really get attention at this award. Um, aside from a couple of exceptions, I think gives it somewhat of a puncher's chance. But yeah, I think this is Shallow's award to win. Um, I do love the song from Buster Scruggs, but I just think Shallow is such a captivating and amazing song. People sing it all the time. It's sort of one of the like big takeaways from the movie. It's probably the best moment in the movie is when they sing that song for the first time. And I think it's sort of a shoe-in to win. Um, but again, if all, that, all the starters wins, I wouldn't be incredibly surprised. Tristan, what about you? Oh uh, yeah, obviously it's Shallow's award, and I think anything else would be pretty surprising. But I definitely think all the uh, all the stars is the is the potential dark horse here. Uh, I mean, the Black Panther soundtrack was a ginormous financial hit. Uh, it made tons of money, and it was received really well uh, critically. So I think all the stars definitely has an outside shot to win. And I think if it came out any year that wasn't this year it would have won but i mean shells is a a phenomenon and they definitely played their cards well by pushing that single song out i mean i heard it even on the radio and i've seen it on tons of youtube videos and that song took off and i think that really launched the movie as a whole so i think it's definitely going to be shallow's year I also just want to give a quick um, uh, in memoriam to the to Suspirium, which should have certainly been nominated um that it wasn't is is yet a shame tom york Gets no love for his work on Suspiria, but <sighs> need to see Suspiria. But I heard it's incredible, and I can't wait to listen to it. But um, Shallow, um, I I think obviously you guys pretty much covered all bases. Uh, it's probably gonna win. Um, all the stars, uh, definitely sort of the underdog here. Um, although you know a lot of people say it could win. Um, for me personally, maybe it's just because I find Shallow to be a little overplayed. Um, but personally, even outside of just 
being overplayed. Um, I'll Never Love Again, to me, is one of the greatest songs of the 21st century, one of the best songs ever put uh, or introduced in a film in the last 10 years. Um, I think that what Lady Gaga does there, and obviously the context helps for the narrative and where it takes place in the film, but uh, just the power, um, it's just incredible. It's just the most remarkable thing I've ever heard. It's an incredible like four or five minute song, and I think it uh, is though. Although it's not as popular as Shallow and All the Stars, to me it's the best song of the year. Um, and but like Paul said, you you wanted to kind of avoid uh voting splits, uh, which is kind of surprising because La La Land did that a couple years ago as well, uh, with City of Stars and um audition um aud- audition yeah so um yeah Shallow's year I think. Um, moving on to my second favorite category, uh, best cinematography. Um, this year you've got the favorite from, uh, which is shot by Robbie Ryan, never look away from Caleb Deschanel, Roma from Alfonso Cuaron, a star is born, Matthew Libatique and cold war Lucas Zal. Um, so cold war, uh, has some beautiful cinematography. Uh, it felt like I was watching a film that was made years ago. Um, today, it, it just the way that it's able to use the camera in a unique, unique way to convey emotion um, and just convey some subtle themes. With because the movie is doesn't have very much exposition, you kind of just have to learn from what the camera tells you. Um, is fantastic. Um, but the favorite to me, although Alfonso Coron is probably going to win for for Roma, uh, what they do in the favorite in terms of lighting, um is very Barry Lyndon-esque. Um, I, I don't know if it was one of you two that mentioned that they did take the lens that Stanley Kubrick used in uh, Barry Lyndon. Yeah, Yogo's uh, found like a replica lens, which is absolute insanity. And it, the movie's lighting, uh, the, the space, um, conveying emotion, just really getting into the head of these three female characters that are all terrific, um, and just being able to just use the camera to just tell a story in such a, such a way with, just the lighting, I, the lighting to me is just the most incredible thing. It just felt like uh, it was just beautifully lit in just the way that uh, Robbie Ryan was able to work with Yorgos Lanthimos to uh, bring these images to life in a really beautiful and profound way. Um, obviously, don't know anything about Never Look Away. I'm kind of surprised that's here. Personally, um, I would have liked to have seen First Man here as well. I think uh, its ability to use uh, top lighting to sort of uh, convey a character's desires and soft lighting in other certain areas as well, along with being aggressive and visceral when it needs to be and soft and subtle when it also needs to be. Um, so I would have liked to have seen that here as well. Uh, a Star is Born is kind of the black sheet for me. Um, well shot, certainly better than what he worked on in Venom. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I It's got good cinematography, but I wouldn't put it in the personal top five. But Roma's probably going to win this award because I'll get to it later. But man, gorgeous film. Uh, Tristan, what about you? I definitely think it's between probably favorite and Roma in my head for what I would pick as my top. I mean, the favorite, like you said, it's very Barry Lyndon. It's very just deliberate and it feels very crafted. And I think uh, it, it almost is going to get overlooked because it it didn't get seen by a lot of people. But I think the Best Picture nomination coming in was kind of a surprise for me. So I think maybe more eyes are on the paper than I thought were on it. So I think it might have a, a shot to come in for some cinematography awards, but I, I I think it's Roma's award. I think Roma feels observational. It feels neorealism. It feels like you're there in the world watching it. It feels crafted. It feels deliberate. It feels gorgeous. There's some shots in Roma that are just breathtaking, and you can't believe that they were even there to be shot. 
I think Roma has the win, and I'm not going to be disappointed. Yeah, I think there's a few big omissions here. I think that uh, what James Laxton does in If Beale Street Could Talk is my favorite shot. How did I forget year. that? Um, it is, you make it me is feel like an idiot. Gorgeous. Um, especially, <laughs> there's a scene that is that's sort of forever etched to my brain. The first time that, or the, not the first time, but the time the time that he sees Brian Tyree's character, um, and they meet on the street, and it's sort of this um, this two D scape, and they, they're running towards each other. Is some of the shots in that movie, the slow motion um, of Fani doing his sculpting. That stuff is just incredible to me. A um, couple other, I mean, I'm a little disappointed that um, At Eternity's Gate didn't get any attention here. I think that what Benoit Delhomme does there is is fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting category. I think that um, it's very clear that uh, black and white is an aesthetic that is very much liked by the Academy in this regard. A lot, They like a lot of flashier stuff. That's why I think the favorite is, is in here with like the sort of Barry Lyndon-esque uh, super wide angles, uh, popping colors and a lot of like sort of obviousness but i just think that beale street is so remarkable in in the way it constructs scenes and how it makes characters look um God, it's just yeah it's my favorite but roma is also incredible um i was at a q a for roma and corona was talking about how it took i think it was like over 120 takes for one of the scenes of them having dinner because um, he was shooting it himself and the characters are moving and these are non-actors and i think that the achievement of capturing them um, in a way that makes them excel is is something that's a little understated in terms of cinematography. That stuff is pretty amazing. Some of the shots, the, the shot at the beach, um, is probably my favorite shot scene of the year. It's insane that apparently they had a crane hanging over the water that they were shooting on, um, and it was all like sort of in one try. So whatever happened, he said, whatever happened in that scene would have just happened. Like if someone would have drowned, they sort of just would have had to go with it, and the filmmaking is, is just insane there. Like the daringness to, to just shoot that scene. So it's naturalistically and the way the camera moves on the water is, is so captivating. And I think it will win. And I, I think it absolutely should. Um, yeah. Star is born. It's, it's pretty well shot. I, I love the opening, the way that his first performance is shot, but I think from there it sort of falls away a bit. Um, haven't seen never look away, but from the stills that I've seen, it doesn't seem like it's super remarkable um, in terms of the way it's shot. So it'll be interesting when I finally see it to see what um, sort of they saw in the film. But yeah, I think this is pretty easily Rome's award to win. I think if anything could, could upset it, it could be maybe the favorite. Um, but I think like, you know, it's also black and white, so it's not like cold war is going to get that black and white edge over it or anything. Yeah. Back to Beale street. Cause I, I can't believe I forgot about it after raving about it earlier, but uh, Barry Jenkins is just the master right now of the close up. Uh, just the way that he's able to convey emotion in just these really tight frames. Uh, he also uses the Kuleshov effect to <laughs> great effect. Um, he just is a master at using the camera and just has a really great eye uh, for telling stories uh, with the camera and not with words. And I think that it not being a part of this listing uh, is really, really, really upsetting because I thought for sure if anything were to beat Roma, it would probably be if Beale Street could talk. Um, and it's just really unfortunate because, again, that scene when he's working with the smoke in the wood, I just was like, I cannot believe someone sat down and said, I got this shot. And, and, and he did low, it. low key mining the gap has some pretty incredible cinematography that yes. I think is, is on part, at least with a couple of the nominees here. So not that it would have had any chance in hell of, of being nominated, but uh, just a little shout out to how amazingly that was shot. Yeah. Beale street is one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in, in a while. I can't believe they pulled off some of the, some of this, the tone of that, of those shots, and 
it's such a confidence to shoot close-ups in that way and to have the confidence in your actors to pull the shots off and to sell the emotion. I think Beale Street is... I mean, I'm going to talk more about it later, I think, when we get to a, a bigger award. But I think Beale Street is the snub of the year in terms of, like, every category they didn't get nominated in. <laughs> yep, and this I'm is one of the biggest. Boat. So, moving on to Best Costume Design, uh, you've got The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, The Favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Mary Queen of Scots. I think... Uh, even before Mary Queen of Scots was announced and just the idea of it being announced, uh, everyone knew it was going to get a Best Costume Design Award along with the favorite. It's a period piece. It was going to be in there. Uh, Mary Poppins, kind of a similar uh, similar way as well, where it's just going to have that pretty much auto lock uh, just in terms of you know it being Disney. They do great jobs with their costumes above uh, all else, really, in my opinion. Um, but for me, the standout here is Black Panther and what Ryan Coogler was able to do um, with a blockbuster because uh, usually you don't think of blockbusters having the best costume design um, but just going back to what he did with variety and talking about how he used color in his film and in the costuming to exemplify themes uh, setting and stuff like that characters uh, is incredible one of the most remarkable things and one of the most insightful things I've ever seen about costume design uh, really made me aware of uh, what exactly a director is looking for when costuming um, and I think Black Panther for me and just the ways that it uses greens reds blacks um, outside of the CGIing, the suit crap, which I'm never going to get over, um, the physical work that they do in uh, putting these actors in these outfits is outstanding. Um, but if it doesn't win, I could see maybe Ballad of Buster Scruggs pulling an upset, uh, but this might be the favorite or Mary Queen of Scots. Mm. Uh, Paul? Uh, yet again, Crazy Rich Asians, where are you at? I think the costumes yeah. in that movie are, are amazing, um, markedly better than, than Mary Poppins Returns, which I think, again, is... is it's just kind of there because it's a classical, um, you know, Disney fair that's a throwback film. It's just frustrating. I do think that the costumes in Mary Queen of Scots are worthy of a nomination. They're extraordinary dresses and um, just some of the gowns and the various things that characters are wearing in there are, are pretty awesome. I think I don't think Scruggs has really a chance in hell at this. I know because some of the characters don't even really have periody costumes. I think it's um, it's really good work, but I think that. Um, this what this category really is ultimately is most costume design generally and it's the one that stands out the most um but I, yeah i think that um what uh, ruth e carter does as the costume designer of black panther is pretty extraordinary um you know this afrofuturism the way it's sold through costume is sort of what most like squarely entrenches you in the world um if anything's going to have a chance um, the favorite i think maybe just because of its prestige and that it's a period drama um it's going to be interesting to see which direction that the Academy goes in this regard. I think, um, I think Black Panther should win. I think it probably will because I think maybe some of those costume votes might be, um, split between the favorite and Mary Queen of Scots. Um, but yeah, I think Black Panther will and should win this category. Uh, yeah, I think Mary Queen of Scots had great costumes. I think it's pretty much the only category it really had any, does, uh, any right to be nominated for. I don't think the movie is particularly good, but I think the costuming and the makeup we'll talk about was really good. But I, I think that and the favorite are going to kind of divide people who want that period piece, sort of flashy, very obvious costume design that uh, the favorite had great costume design. I mean, the make the dresses they wore, and I think it really reflected sort of the characters, and I think it, it 
was great costume design, but I think with with Mary Queen of Scots nominated alongside of it, I don't think either one of them is gonna have a have a win here. I think, like I said earlier, Black Panther is gonna scoop up some of these uh, lighter weight categories, and I think it deserves it. I think the costumes uh, have a really good attention to detail. And I think when you hear them talk about the choices they made when designing these costumes, you can tell that they weren't just throwing them together. They were drawing from culture, and they were drawing from color, and they were drawing from their own imaginations, and they were drawing from comic books. And to take all those sources and put them together and have it actually look really good and really distinct and have the costumes be as memorable as the characters and as memorable as the sets and the visuals, I think is a significant achievement. And I think it's going to be one of Black Panther's couple wins at the Oscars. All right. Glad to see we're on the same page. Moving on to the smallest category every year, um, unless it's that one weird year with animation where it only had like Toy Story 3 and like two other (laughs) nominees for animation. But uh, best makeup and hairstyling, you've got Border, never heard of her, Mary Queen of Scots, and Vice. Uh, Paul, have you heard anything about Border? I've actually seen Border. Um, Okay. And I think it's it's a really good in- inclusion in this category. I think it's uh, it's a movie I don't like really at all, but I think that the makeup is really remarkable in this film. It's um, this woman who's um, has a strange ability to to sense if people are lying, and um, her life sort of unfolds when she meets a mysterious stranger that uh, might unearth sort of things about her past. But um, I don't, if you can just see just based on the trailer, the makeup work is really really remarkable. Um, I guess this is the one category I feel okay talking about Vice, just because I've seen it in stills and I've seen it in motion in the trailers. It's really good work, but I just hate to always reward the same type of makeup and hairstyling. That is um, yeah, darkest hour ass. Yeah, it's it's just frustrating to me. Again, Suspiria I think had remarkable makeup, both making people look um, like someone else that they're not. Um, because, you know, it's it's, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. hard enough making Christian Bale look like an old man, but making Tilda Swinton look like an old man is, is an entirely different sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and also, yeah. you know, the makeup of the women when they're performing Volk, I think that through and through that is what I think should have won. But of the nominees here, I would I would like to see Border win. Um, Mary Queen of Scots has some kind of strange uh, makeup. It has, like, amazing hairstyling, but not a huge fan of Elizabeth's sort of caked-on look. Um, I guess it's part of her character, but... I don't know. It's it's a little bizarre to me. This is something I, I hope Border wins, but I feel like Vice sort of has this in the bag. Interesting, Tristan. What about you? Yeah, now that you mentioned Suspiria, I think it it should have got nominated for makeup and hairstyling and costume design. I think especially when you see the designs on like the the dance number at the end, and I think when you realize Tillis Whitten is the old man, <laughs> you're like, wow, they really did a lot with makeup in here, and it wasn't as as like obvious is something like Mary Queen of Scots and Vice where you're supposed to notice the makeup before you notice anything else so I, th- I think Suspiria I didn't like love Suspiria but I think for makeup and hairstyling and for costume design that's where it, it should have gotten some attention uh, hmm, I'm not, I haven't seen Border uh, I will probably watch it since you've kind of recommended it and didn't really like it very much but I'll check it out I, it, I think it doesn't work it's it's a le- it's lesser rate persona, basically, is what it feels like to me. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's Vice's <laughs> award here. I think the flashiness of Christian Bale is transformative, and the Academy tends to go for those sort of like take a normal guy and make them look kind of ridiculous, and like they did it with uh, the Steve Carell uh, Foxcatcher. They made him into that kind of yeah. like goblin-looking person, and 
they did the same thing for Darkest Hour, and I think they kind of go for that sort of like obvious transforming of the lead into someone that they're not make up. Like and Frida I think Vice is going to yeah, be what it gets. Kind of what they tend to yeah, do. yeah, like Frida. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Um, Mary Queen of Scots is, is, is kind of just that. Look at how cool our costumes and I mean, makeup the, the hair, can be. The hair, it, to be fair, it's a two part category, and the hairstyling is incredible in Mary Queen of Scots. I just yeah. think the makeup leaves a yeah. little to be desired. Yeah, and I, and then that just goes back to Vice. I haven't seen Border either, um, but maybe Border will sneak it up. I don't know, but it's probably going to be Vice just because. Again, you guys said what you had to say about it. It's just it. It is what it is. You know, they just love. I mean, that it's great. Stuff, it, so. it looks great. Like I'm not denying that it looks like Dick Cheney. No. It's, it's pretty uncanny, but I just would like to see a little sort of creativity um, in this category. Yeah, and I can't wait to see Suspiria. By the way, I'm I'm not a big horror person. Um, I'll never see Hereditary. Just kidding. I will see it, but oh, not for yeah. a while. Uh, just <laughs> for it. just for it's a long, extensive dialogue about what, that movie. Um, in the first 13 minutes I've seen of it, but Suspiria seems more in my wheelhouse. Um, so I can't wait to see that and kind of catch what you guys are talking about.